It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another edition of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond's on the road down in Hoover yesterday and now in Georgia covering AAU basketball. He joins us on the phone. We're going to talk a little bit about the SEC media days and then some AAU basketball. How's it going, Gabe? Not bad. I'm actually like a mile and a half into South Carolina, so it's my fourth state in two days. So there's that. Um, I'm like 15 minutes from Augusta National, so if someone gets arrested for running on and playing number 12, um, that's probably me in about three or four hours. I've been meaning to ask why why PowerMazoo.com doesn't have like a membership at Augusta. It seems like a natural a natural thing that should just kind of uh, yeah i uh one of our uh our photographer last year was a woman so i think maybe we're not allowed <laughs> uh, what's that dude's name bumpy, bumpy johnson or something like that is he still running uh hootie johnson i think hootie i don't know uh yeah i don't know but yeah i don't think i will be playing augusta national but i will be driving by on my way back to the lovely hampton inn in uh Madison, Georgia. Madison, Georgia. Never heard of it. I'm guessing it's close to what to a to a guest. There's not a lot to it. There's <laughs> not a lot to it. It is halfway between Atlanta and Augusta, just in case I need to run back to Under Armour at some point. Gotcha. So speaking of Under Armour, AU, all the things. What I mean, I know SEC Media Days was the original reason you went down there, but as far as basketball goes, just what have you seen so far on the road in the in the last day and a half? Yeah, I saw a couple kids last night that Missouri has offered. We don't feel great about their chances. Darius Days and and uh, Elijah Weaver from Florida. I, I don't think Missouri has a great shot at those guys. Did watch uh, KC run GMC that that has some younger guys that Missouri might be in on in a little bit. And for anybody listening that wants to know about them, you know we were wrote about them uh last night now today at peach jam which is the big one the, the adidas circuit is actually up in uh spartanburg south carolina about three hours north of here too so they're all like all these coaches are kind of rotating everywhere mm-hmm. um this morning i watched one of mocan's younger teams and then the bradley beal elite younger team and Tonzo martin chris hollander and uh cornell Mann were all at both of those games um, by the time people are listening to this, I will have watched the Mocan 17U team with, uh, obviously, Jonte Porter, who, you know, um, earlier this afternoon did tell Gary Parrish from CBS Sports it's a safe assumption that he's going to reclassify. I mean, that is an assumption we have all been making for a right. few weeks, so I don't, I don't think that's necessarily breaking news. But, again, Jonte has at times, and, and this is not a knock at him, a lot of 17-year-olds do it, uh, has done three or four interviews and said three or four different things. So I'll be talking to Jonte this afternoon. Again, that'll be done by the time anybody uh, listens to this. But we'll see, you know, kind of what he says. Uh, we've we've anticipated all along that in the week or so following Peach Jam, he is likely to announce that he is going to come to Missouri. Conzo told us last week, he, you know, they plan to use the last scholarship. I mean, there's really not much else out there. I think we all kind of know where this is going. Yeah, I, no doubt. I, I mean, you said a couple of weeks. It seems like it's been a couple of months that's kind of been the idea that this is where he's going to end up. Ever since, pretty much since Michael Porter Jr. Uh, came into the picture, it, it, it seemed like Jonte would be following suit at some point or another. 
I mean, and just yeah, I mean, and and obviously, I mean, he's already committed for next year. But yeah, we all expect him to uh, reclassify and be part of this year's team. And you know, I've talked to quite a few people who have seen him play, and he's having a great summer. Like first team all EYBL and mm-hmm. number eleven player in the country in his class and all that. Um, you know, I I don't think he's viewed as like a, a one and done necessarily. I think he's actually – and that's actually the level of player that I think Missouri needs to get. Now, don't get me wrong. Get the one and done if you can get him. If you can get Michael Porter Jr., absolutely, obviously, you get him. But the simple fact of the matter is most of those guys are going to Duke and Kentucky. I mean, you know how you have a really good program like Kansas or like I think Xavier's become or whatever? Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State. You may not get the one and done guy, but you get a bunch of that – next level guy who's going to be in college for two or three years and actually be a really productive and maybe more productive player for his college team than the one and done guy is going to be uh you you can build a heck of a program off that and i think that's what missouri's got to do i mean yeah things work out with michael porter but realistically how often does the state of missouri have a one and done and you know how Mm -hmm. often has missouri gotten that guy well, definitely even fewer that Missouri's gotten them than they've been. I know Jason yeah, Tatum no was one about and that. done. Larry Hughes, I think, way back in the day, didn't he just play one year? At I think Slew? Hughes was one and done. I think I mean, I think Brad Beal was one and done. Yeah. I think Macklemore might have played two years in college. Well, uh, he, Otto, reg- he had to sit Otto out a year, didn't he? Didn't, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So yeah. Not, yeah. So there haven't been a lot. And then, hey, by the way, that rule needs to go away. <laughs> like. I, I mean, because I, I was talking about this with, with somebody down here. I mean, the reality of the situation is Michael Porter is going to enroll in 12 hours of whatever classes. I mean, like, it's not like he's going to take pre-med or pre-journalism classes. And I'm not insulting Mike's intelligence here. He seems like a real intelligent kid. But if I'm him, I'm going, okay, I'm going to be in school for one year. So give me, like, I'm just going to go through the course catalog and pick four fun classes, right? right. Like, I'm not taking math. 1,000-level like, gen ed classes. Yeah, bowling and golf and, like, maybe, like, a cooking class, you know. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. I'm just picking four kind of general classes. I'm going to get my 12 hours. I remember that. And then couple... the reality. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Gabe. The reality of the situation is come January 15th or whenever second semester starts, he never has to go to a class. Like, it, it doesn't matter because if he knows he's going pro, which I think we all kind of know, those grades, I mean, he's in the NBA draft by the time those grades are in. So who cares if he gets a 0.0? It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it matters a little bit for APR, but right. I doubt it. Yeah, if I was him, I'd look up. They used to have a Kanye Jay-Z class I heard was pretty fun. That was Solid. Back- <laughs> solid. I know Norm used to teach coaching basketball. <laughs> um, you know? Back to John Tay a little bit. I don't know if you talked with uh, our national analyst, Eric Bossy, about where he might slide in in the 2017 class when, if he does reclassify. Is that something I'm sure they'll they'll get him in there? Have you have you talked with him at all about where he might end up? Well, because it's so late, he won't actually officially be ranked as a 2017 recruit. Okay. He will go in as an unranked five-star, which I know that seems kind of weird, but the simple fact is, I mean, you know, there's a lot that goes into producing those rankings, and it's mm. not just quite as simple as, oh, we just kind of slide this guy in here and everybody else just automatically slots down. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're talking about, you know, you're getting close to, what, end of July, by the time you do that, reworking everything when we're trying to cover the 2018 class is, is a little tough. But Eric had said 
initially when he committed. I think at that time, Jonte was like number, I don't know, somewhere around number 30 in the 2018 class. And he said at the time that he'd probably fit in in a similar place in 17. Now, obviously, Jonte has risen up because he has had a really good summer. So he probably, if they were to do the rankings, would be, you know, I would guess top 20. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if top 10 or not, because I don't know how necessarily the 17 and 18 classes compare nationally. Uh, but yeah, they it won't officially show up that way. Will they, will they do any, I know it doesn't really matter, obviously in the big scheme of things, but fans, people that subscribe to our sites, like the, the team rankings, where will they do any adjustments in that? And where would you think maybe Missouri end up after when, if they add John T. Porter to the mix? Yeah, those are a little easier to adjust because um, unlike football, it's not like a mathematical formula. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of – it's more of a subjective thing. And, you know, I, I, last I knew Missouri was number seven. Right. And Bossy has told me in the past that if, if Jonte is a 2017 kid, this is a top five class, mm-hmm. probably four or five. Now that was before Texas added Mo Bamba, so – you know, maybe maybe five, but I, I think they'd be right in that range. I, I mean, either way, clearly the highest-ranked class in a long time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the original reason you headed down to the Southeast trip here was to cover SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. We were de- there yesterday when Missouri was on the uh, on the clock, doing their making their rounds with uh, Coach Odom, Eric Beisel, Jamon Moore, and Drew Locke. Just what was your kind of initial reaction, your – from spending the day down there watching those guys make the rounds? Well, I, I thought Missouri brought three really good uh, good guys for, I mean, for them, but also for us. I mean, I, you know, Drew Locke isn't the most exciting interview in the world, but he is the starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and, and people need to get to talk to him. And, uh, you know, Jamon Moore has always been a guy that we wished at times was not quite as good an interview because we'd probably get to talk to him more. You know, um, I mean, he's always been a, a really candid interview when we've had the chance and we can get into, the, you know, I wrote a story on Jamon and so have a few other people, some of the things he said yesterday. I, I mean, the, the the hit of media days was Eric Beisel uh, embracing the TJ Mo role of just saying some outrageous things and people writing them. Um, you know, I, I think everybody needs to understand, like I'm sure Arkansas fans are real angry with him today, and I'm sure there are some people saying, who is this kid? Like, look, if you were there, and, and Pete uh, Scandalberry, who's down here covering it too, I was, he, he actually asked Beisel if he watched pro wrestling because that's what that was. That was a performance from mm-hmm. Eric Beisel. Like, look, I'm not saying he doesn't believe some of the things he said. He probably does. But that was a – look, I know what I said last year, and I know – I mean, in, in two breaths he said, I'm not really going to talk about Arkansas. And in the very next breath said they'll always be below. <laughs> You know, I mean, this was clearly a – this was Eric Beisel, who has an outgoing personality, playing through the camera and knowing exactly the reaction that was going to come. And Barry Odom knew exactly what the kid was going to do when he came down here. So, I I mean, look, if if Arkansas fans want to use it as we hate this kid and blah, 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 cool. But that was a – that was kind of a – it was a good-spirited, fun thing. Eric knew exactly what he was doing, and he gave us everything we all wanted when we were there. Yeah, and, I mean, Eric was a guy that didn't play a lot his first three years, I guess. Last year, he finally, right. as yeah, a redshirt red junior, junior, he finally started to get some playing time. I and mean, even earlier in the season, he didn't play a ton, of, as far as I remember. As the season progressed, right. he got more uh, more time right on when the field. Mike went down. Right, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't blame him for wanting to take advantage. I mean, he's he's been kind of back – 
locked up in the corner. No one's known who he was for three and a half years. He gets a chance yeah. to go down to SEC media days. Might as well make the most of it. I get he well, did. And, and it, I mean, to me, there's a couple things. Like last year, the Arkansas comments, I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, he's played like three games, you know. <laughs> um, maybe not the best guy to make those comments. But, like, I, I saw he did say somewhere, hey, look, I knew what I was saying and I knew what the reaction would be. And then as soon as I said it, I thought, well, I guess we better win the game now. Right, you know, exactly. And they did. Um, now, and, and here's the other thing. Like, how often do we sit and bitch about coach speak and about players who won't say anything and all that? And then as soon as a player does, we kill him for saying right. it. And then we wonder why they don't want to talk and they don't ever want to talk. Exactly. And this is all the – like, I'm not saying fans. This is the media's fault. Like – oh, my God, this is so boring. They all say the same thing. You know, they all like their team, blah, blah. And then a kid comes out with some personality, and it's, oh, look, this kid's popping off again. You know, come on, let's have some fun with it. I mean, that's all that is. He's having a good time. We enjoyed it. Amen. You know, give me some kids with some personality. I I don't want to hear that they're taking it one game at a time, and they had a great summer, and they're focused on Missouri State. That's boring and stupid and not worth my trip. Give me something fun. I liked uh, Coach Odom coming after you a little bit on Twitter with your uh... – Yeah, that was solid, wasn't it? <laughs> for anybody who didn't see it, for any people listening to this podcast that haven't figured Twitter out yet, uh, Gabe, <laughs> the night before, was having some flight issues coming out of St. Louis, getting to Hoover, and, and, and tweeted um, – if I don't make it, I, I'll, well, I'll let you, you. You're the one who tweeted it. You can yeah, I, I said if I don't make it uh, preemptively, I'll tell you, Barry Odom is really excited about his team, and they had a great summer like 13 other schools in the SEC. And Barry actually replied to it with hashtag coach talk. You know, so, yeah, he, he seemed looser yesterday, I thought. Um, you know, I mean, he had some jokes. He did challenge Will Muschamp and Ed Orgeron with the – nine-minute opening statement or whatever, whatever. I actually just read the transcription of Hugh Freeze's opening statement. I said he had nothing on Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Freeze's entire press conference was six pages long, and the opening statement was like three and two-thirds of it. Um, but that, that's a, that's a I'm going to reduce the amount of mm-hmm. time I have for the questions I know are coming approach. <laughs> I, I don't think that was it with Barry. I think, it was just, I, I think a lot of these coaches are like, if I cover everything – then the fewer questions they have to ask, you know, especially at media days where, frankly, a lot of the questions tend to be really uh, not good, I guess yeah. would be a nice way to put it. A lot of wheeze and uh, talkabouts. And not topical. And, you know, like at least nobody there was, you know, I mean, this is a lot. There's like a lot of media that obviously doesn't cover each individual team. So, like, you'll get somebody from Tennessee asking Barry Odom about the game last November. Like, Dude, that was eight months ago. Let's mm-hmm. let's not talk about that. Like, what's the point? It's kind of over. We all wrote about that, you know. And by the same token, don't talk about how you're going to play them in four more months. Like, we'll deal with that, that that week. So, media days is kind of an outdated thing, honestly. I I don't know that there's much use for it other than at least the way Missouri does it. And I think most schools did. Um, all the local guys. There were probably. I don't know. I want to say nine or ten of us up. Uh, we we got Odom and the three coaches or the three players kind of off in a separate little setting uh, where we could actually ask you know a little bit more relevant stuff to to our coverage. So that's always good. You get a little one on one time that that you wouldn't necessarily get, and and some good stuff can come out of that. 
Is that when Jamon Moore clarified that he meant peanut butter and jelly and not peanut butter and butter? I think that was some of the uh, biggest news to come out of SEC media. Days. Yeah, you know what? I actually, I, I, if that was, whenever that was, I was talking to somebody else. I didn't okay. hear that quote from Jamon. But uh, peanut butter and butter sound, I don't know about you, that sounds awful. Right. Well, I never quite understood it, but it was original. It was unique. It was something different. Peanut butter and jelly is just, yeah, that's yesterday's news. <laughs> But it's really good, man. Like, I'm 40 years old. I still, every now and then for lunch, like a PB&J. I believe, I can't remember where I was at, there was a peanut butter and jelly restaurant. Like, that's all they did. That was their thing. Just 20, 30 different kinds of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That, that's a place you would like, huh? I'm, I, might, I might check it out. If you find out it's anywhere, like, I've already driven, like, 800 miles. So, <laughs> like, if you find out it's anywhere with, like, 100 miles of where I am, I might go. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the tee box at number eight at Augusta and have a PB&J tonight. You mentioned Drew Locke was down there covering quarter, uh, the quarterback from Missouri, the presumed starting quarterback. It uh, would be a huge upset if he's not the <laughs> yes, starting quarterback. Yes, I would say, uh, <laughs> as Jonte said, I think that's a safe assumption. <laughs> what, what did you get from him? What, what was it like for him down there um, for his moment in spotlight in Hoover? Yeah, you know, I spent a little less time talking to Drew maybe than the two other guys simply because the other guys are a little bit um, sometimes better quote. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. are buttoned up a little bit more. Now, Drew, I think, is, is showing a little bit more personality than he did a year ago, but he really seems like he's a little more comfortable in his own skin. This is his team. Um, he's ready to go do this. And, look, he has to be. Like, this is the year. I know there are a lot of people that are saying Drew likes a disappointment or whatever. I don't think you can say that yet. But if he if they're four and eight this year and he's throwing twelve picks, then at that point it's kinda like, Yeah, um, this isn't quite what Missouri fans thought they were getting out of high school. So this is a huge year for Drew. I mean, more than anybody else, he's the guy that, that this season's kinda gonna ride on. Um and, you know, I, I everybody says the right things. Now look, I've never gone to Media Day and had a coach say, Yeah, boy, our quarterback really hadn't improved as much as I wanted him to. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, so proof will be in the pudding with that. But, you know, Drew is, is a kid that seems to have grown into this a little bit more and uh, seems to be seems to be comfortable with us. Uh, he promised us at one point he would continue to speak to the local media all year, so that was appreciated. Yeah, that is, that's nice. That's not always the case with the, the Mizzou players, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it wasn't a promise, but he said he would. So promise might be overstating it. But You, uh... You were talking about the season and what kind of the expectations. You had your piece earlier this week, I think uh, Wednesday maybe, or yesterday morning about yeah, the, I think that's right. the season outlook and and, and what, what you expect from Mizzou this year. And you went with 7-5 and five and, and a Texas Bowl game. Just kind of maybe run for the people that haven't read it or people who are blind maybe can't read it. I don't know. Just what <laughs> what that was like. What, what went into that uh, prognostication? Well, you know what I generally do when I do that is I, I kind of formulate the record I think they're going to have before I go through and do the picks. And then I, I kind of have to fit some of the picks. Like, because if you pick a game by game, you're kind of going, well, if I'm going to pick them to beat Kentucky, then, you know, maybe I should pick them to beat Vanderbilt. But, I, you know, I, I, I just – this has the feel of a 7-5 and five football team to me. And, uh, like, look, it's never – I mean, the safe, the boring prediction articles are you just kind of pick them in every one they'll probably be favored in, and mm-hmm. you don't. But 
like that never happens, right? I mean, the the thing, the reason they play these games is because sometimes the team that's supposed to win doesn't win. So almost every team is going to have at least one game that they win that you don't think they will, and at least one game that they lose that you don't think they will. Um, you know, so I, I picked. I think I picked them to start three and zero, beat uh, South Carolina. I, I think they'll break the season down. Like they've got to be four and zero non conference. Right. I, I mean, there's just no. If they lose to any of the teams they have in their non conference schedule, they're not making a bowl game. Right. Um, I mean, I don't see how you know at Connecticut maybe is the most challenging one. I mean, I was shocked when I went back and looked. Purdue's won eight games in four years. I know they have a new coach. I think they get a new coach every year. It's just like as soon as. <laughs> football season ends they just say who's up next in uh, West Lafayette these days but you know so they got to be 4-0 there and, and really the key is they've got they start with Missouri State that's a win and they've got South Carolina they've got Purdue as the third game which is a win and they've got Auburn as the fourth they're all at home mm-hmm. so my benchmark for this team is come out of those first four at three and one hey, whatever the three are it, you know now don't lose to Missouri State but, like, you're going to win that one and win two of the other three, I would think the most likely would be Purdue in one of the league games. If you do that, I think you feel like you're in a pretty good position. Um, if you go 4-0, and all of a sudden you rewrite what you think the expectations right. are. But, honestly, if they come out of September at 2-2, two and two, I'm going to go, eh, they beat Missouri State and they beat Purdue, but, right. like, can I find four more wins on this schedule considering they would have lost to – to South Carolina and Auburn, and they'd be 0-2 in the SEC, both at home, I, I think it gets pretty tough to find four more wins at that point. What, if you want, Will, kind of put a percentage on what you think 7-5. I mean, you, are you feeling like – I love eight, percentages. Those are my favorite. <laughs> well, the reason I'm asking this is because I was going to then say, I mean, like 10-2, and two, I think – I mean, that's a possibility – it's not out of the realm. It's not likely at all, it's I don't think. It's not impossible, but it's – you're talking pretty unlikely. I probably say. losses to Auburn and Georgia. You're talking the ceiling, right? The right. ceiling for this team, I think, is probably ten to two. And you think that? I mean, I don't know, twenty percent, maybe fifteen percent. That's why I was wondering, maybe if going seven to five, sixty percent confidence or something like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, I would go with like eighty percent confidence. They're somewhere between six and six and eight and four. Okay. You know, like at seven and five, like. If they found a way to win one more, that wouldn't shock me. Six and six wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. Five and seven might not shock me, but it would surprise me. Anything more than eight is really going to surprise me. So, you know, I'm going like somewhere between six and eight wins, I'd say with like a, an 80% confidence, then five or fewer at maybe 15 and nine or more at maybe 5%, you know, which, hey, it could happen, but everything's going to have to go right for right, that. Right, right. Switching gears a little bit to uh, football recruiting, Missouri had a couple guys in this last week. We were able to catch up with um, Tyrus Wheat, who who kind of gave us a rundown on how his visit went. Um, he's a guy that's going to wait a little while. It sounds like he told uh, he told me that he was thinking September for a decision. Vincent Montgomery's yep. another guy that, or not Montgomery, I'm sorry, Vincent Gray, also visited down from Michigan. He's a cornerback. He's a guy that we think there's a chance that could commit a little sooner than that. Um, just with this class, you you wrote a story about how it's doing with it being kind of late and not many commitments. Where where do you kind of see things at right now with with how recruiting's going? And and I, I guess we're all kind of this belief that this the night of the zoo that's coming up July twenty first is kind of going to be that point where things start to pick up for the the recruiting. Hopefully, 
Yeah, I mean, I think you would agree with me. Like, it kind of needs to be, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you're fine with five commitments right now, but if you go to September 1st with five commitments, it's kind of going to be like um, the chance of you getting 15 guys you really want between now and then really go down. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, not at the zoo's next Friday. And I know that uh, the chamber, which, by the way, uh, I have previously forgotten to mention, but I'm traveling to basketball, so you got to write that tomorrow. Right, yeah, no, I kind of um, thought that. <laughs> Yeah, breaking news. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have at least a list of, I don't know, I think we've confirmed at least 10 or 12 guys. Yeah, around that. Um, and then, yeah, then then we'll we'll hope to really kind of finish that up and, and get a much bigger list next week before the thing happens on Friday night. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a little bit smaller than it was last year. Um, because last year, if you remember, they had, and I think that was actually during your hiatus. Uh, yes, it but was. They had, they had two or three like high school teams, like Cass Tech brought like 18 dudes. Right, yes. You know, and uh, there was a team out of Louisiana that brought a bunch, a team out of Memphis that brought a bunch. So I, I think that maybe the actual pure number is going to be down a little bit, but maybe the number of just prospects that Missouri actually has a legitimate shot at will be up a little bit. Yeah, and and kind of for me, we talked about this. I wasn't there last year. It's, this is just a – going to be a little bit of a camp setting there'll be guys there without offers guys uh it's not just 2018 2019 2020 kids um it sounds like um the the state of missouri there won't be a huge in-state contingent there but there'll be definitely some underclassmen and all the guys with uh offers in 2018 have been invited whether they show up or not, that's another story. So, uh, Well, and, and because the thing is, really, like last year, a lot of the in-state guys, uh, Larry Boyd, I remember, mm-hmm. like Tony Adams worked out and got his offer at night at the zoo. But like Larry Boyd and a few other guys, like they already had their offers. So really, you're telling a high school, like a lot of them aren't working out. So a lot of high school kids, maybe they don't want to just drive and kind of spend four hours watching other kids work out, you know. So I don't think there should be some panic if, you know, the, most of these in-state guys don't show up. I mm-hmm. mean, look, they've already got off. Like, we've always uh, – rivals uh, used to do junior days, and, and we had a former college coach speak at him, and he would tell kids, like, look, if you've already got offers you're happy with, never camp. Like, what's the point? You've already got the offer. All you can do is something that makes the coach think less of you. You know, so, like, say some kid has an offer, and he goes to Missouri's night, and he, he runs a 4-9, all of a, and he, he's – 30 pounds heavier than they thought, all of a sudden they might go, hang on, man, this offer is not too smart. So from the prospect side, this is a business thing. You know, mm-hmm. this is, hey, if your thing is you look good in shorts and T-shirts and you're going to wow people at a combine, go to everyone you can. But if you're just a football player who isn't going to blow somebody away with your measurables and you've already got 13 offers, there's really no advantage to going to do it. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, we've touched on a lot of topics so far. You mentioned we'll have the chamber as always tomorrow morning. Anything else that the uh, the listeners can uh, anticipate coming in the next few days? Well, I mean, we'll have notebook from the Peach Jam tonight. I'll be back tomorrow, um, maybe on Saturday, depending probably kind of how far Mocan makes it. Um, I mean, I would like to be here when when Jonte does officially play his last game. Now, if that's on Sunday, if they make the title game, I fly back Sunday morning, so mm. I won't see that. But if, if they're playing Friday, if they get into Saturday, you know, I'd like to be here for his last game to just take the shot of, hey, man, you ready to make an announcement? Mm. I looked at yeah. the family who's pretty good at dealing with the media and pretty used to it. 
So I don't imagine that he's just going to all of a sudden decide to tell me that, but I will be here and take the opportunity. Um, if anybody missed it, you know, we had the Kristen Peak did a, a video interview with Michael Porter Jr. out in L.A. a couple days ago. It's like four minutes. Um, pretty good uh, Pretty good stuff in there. And, um, I mean, shoot, we'll get back next week, night at the zoo, the Bowers alumni game next Saturday. And then I believe what I've been told is that Missouri will open camp on August 1st. Yeah, we don't I, have an official schedule, but Tuesday, August 1st, I believe, is going to be the first day. I noticed whenever we talked to Coach Odom, he said August 1st and when we were interviewing him. And, really? I, and uh, a okay. lot, I mean, he, I don't know if he meant to do that or not, but that, he said when we start yeah. August 1st. So I kind of was assuming. Well, I mean, I don't, see why, I, I don't see why it would be a secret. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know either. Um, but yeah. then again, there are a lot of things that are kept <laughs> secret that, you know, seem strange to me. Well, I know Alex Schiffer's following basketball recruiting outside of what you're doing down there at the peach jam as always and on football recruiting side sean and i'll be tracking down as as many 2018 recruits that we haven't talked we've talked to most of the guys that mizzou seems to be in pretty good shape with but there's still a few out there um at some of the skill positions we're trying to track down so it's always going to be some stuff on the site uh, each and every day so uh keep checking back we'll have Vacation was fun. We'll take another one next April. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a it was a nice uh, summer. We had a good time, and now it's time to get rolling and bring you guys the best content on Mizzou, as always. For Gabe down in South Carolina now, I'm Brian Austin here in Columbia. Thanks for listening.